to support this NPR station, he's talking about you. 813-238-8001. WMNF is an NPR station. We're also a Pacifica station. Pacifica is a, uh, a smaller, independent um, radio network. We're a part of Pacifica. We're part of a whole bunch of networks for radio, including NPR, and we're independent. I know that might sound a little funny, but we are independent, even though we're parts of these other organizations. They can't tell us what to do or what to play or what shows to play or what music to play. We are completely independent. You know who tells us what to do? You. You are the owners and the the, the members of community radio. 813-238-8001 is the way that you can sh- become a member, become an owner of community radio. You can also donate on our secure website, wmnf.org. I want to remind people that it's 10 in the morning on Thursday. This is the slot for From a Woman's Point of View. Mary and Arlene have asked to take a leave of absence temporarily. And super news, they will be back next Thursday at 10. So I hope you tune in for that. In the meantime, I hope you support their show right now by calling 813-238-8001. If you're a fan of Mary and Arlene, if you like From a Woman's Point of View, give us a call or donate on our secure website, wmnf.org. I want to thank you for your donations in advance. And... I'm Sean Canan. Joining me in the studio right now is Blanny Whalen. We're going to go back in just a second or two to hear the rest of Democracy Now!, but right now we do need your support, right, Blanny? Absolutely. And remember, on this station, you are going to hear information that you don't get anywhere else. And when we are regularly scheduled, you can call in with your opinions. And in fact, with your donations, you could write down, if you go on uh, WMNF.org, you can write your comments. You can, if you call in at 813-238-8001, you can tell, make comments to the uh, phone answers back there that are all volunteers and loving the station. I know you love listening to the news here, but it costs money for us. And we've got some really interesting show today that is important to listen that you're not going to hear probably anywhere else. Yeah, thanks to everyone who's donated so far. We're going to go back to Democracy Now! in just a moment. Let me thank these people who have also contributed to Democracy Now! Rosemarie Prinz from St. Petersburg is contributing $31.50. Thank you, Rosemarie. Thank you. And she says she wants all her fellow artists out there to support Democracy Now! and WMNF. Mm-hmm. Well, we love artists and we love. Uh, we hope you love Democracy Now! as well. Thank you to Anonymous from Tampa with a $500 donation. Ooh, this is a big you. one. Thank you for that. And we really appreciate that donation. Also, Todd from Winter Haven is joining our circle of friends at the $5 a month level is getting the WMNF face mask as a thank you gift. Mm -hmm. And uh, Todd appreciates Democracy Now. If you appreciate Democracy Now, be like Todd. Join our circle of friends, 813-238-8001 or pledge on the web at WMNF.org. What is the circle of friends, you ask? Well, it is our sustaining membership. And at the $5 a month level or more, some people do $10, $20, $30 a month, you can become a sustaining member of WMNF. When you call in, just ask your phone bank volunteer to tell you more about the circle of friends. We're going to go back now to Democracy Now! We're going to hear the rest of the show right now. And I'd like to thank you next t- break. You can either be anonymous or you, we can thank you by ni- name, 813 813- 
or WMNF.org. We need your support right now for Democracy Now! and for From a Woman's Point of View. Here's more of today's Democracy Now! It cannot do both. This has been established by legal scholars such as Christine Gray on the law of self-defense. It is an old trope that was condemned in the 1970s when Portugal, South Africa, and Israel tried to claim the right to self-defense in order to protect its colonial territories. You cannot dominate another people and then use the claim of self-defense in order to protect that domination. Israel is not protecting itself or its citizens. It is protecting its domination. It is protecting its occupation. So the first thing that needs to happen in the aftermath, one, this is a form of aggression. But the first thing that needs to happen in any outcome after this is that the siege must be lifted. We cannot endure another scene like this, another massacre where it becomes theater for politics and news media and then not demand that the siege be lifted as as the bare minimum of, of what happens next. We're going to break and when we come back we're going to talk about the issue of solidarity. Angela Davis recently released a statement on what's happening in Palestine. Uh, we're speaking with Nora Erekat, uh, who is a Palestinian American scholar, assistant professor at Rutgers University. Gidon Levy is with us from Tel Aviv, Israeli journalist, award-winning columnist for Aretz, sits on the Israeli newspaper's editorial board. Stay with us. 813-238-8001. We're not going to pitch for very long right now. I'm going to let Amy Goodman's uh, one-minute break play out, and then we'll hear more from Nora Erekat, the great, uh, Palest the well-informed Palestinian attorney, and we'll even hear more from the Israeli journalist Gideon Levy. This is a fantastic show from Democracy Now!, talking with experts and knowledgeable people about what's going on in Southwest Asia. If you think that this is important, call us now, 813-238-8001. You can also make a donation on our secure website, wmnf.org. We've only heard from four people during Democracy Now! That is not enough. We do need to hear from you. 813-238-8001. You can also donate at wmnf.org. You can also support From a Woman's Point of View this hour. We'll be hearing uh, from Angela Davis later on, a great uh, woman academic. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. Keep Baba this Wahed. station this on the democracy air. Now, democracy Now, Democracy the quarantine report. I'm Amy Goodman. On Sunday, many Arab, Muslim, and Palestinian communities boycotted President Biden's virtual Eid celebration. A letter to the White House from the Muslim Delegates and Allies Coalition said, quote, in lieu of flowers or condolences for martyred Palestinian children or even a White House Eid celebration, we request the United States recognize dignity rights worldwide. A first step in recognizing our humanity would be to not allow a policy of mass slaughter in the sacred Islamic month of Ramadan. We turn now to the legendary activist and scholar Angela Davis, author of many books, including Freedom is a Constant Struggle, Ferguson, Palestine, and the Foundations of Movement. She recorded this message of solidarity for an event on Sunday called Eid with Palestine, a protest of the White House Eid event. I join the many individuals and organizations around the world in expressing grief and anger and protest in light of the acceleration of violence by the Israeli government and the settlers they protect in Sheikh Jarrah. 
We protest the storming of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the extensive and brutal bombing of Gaza. And we call attention to and protest the Biden-Harris administration's collusion with the Israeli government, even as the Biden government participated in the celebration of Eid. And at a time when Palestinians the world over have been commemorating the Nakba. People all over the U.S. and indeed throughout the world express their outrage when George Floyd's and Breonna Taylor's lives were extinguished by racist police violence. We know that shortly after these murders occurred, Ahmad Erekat was shot down on his sister's wedding day at a checkpoint between Bethlehem and Abu Dis outside of occupied East Jerusalem. This was clearly a state-sanctioned execution that we now recognize as a harbinger of the current violent assaults on Palestinians and East Jerusalem and Gaza, where over a hundred people, including children, have already been killed. This is unconscionable. In 2011, I had the opportunity to visit Sheikh Jarrah with a delegation of indigenous and women of color activists, scholars, and artists. We talked with a Palestinian family who had been evicted from their home where they had lived for many decades. Jewish settlers had moved into the main rooms of their house and they, the rightful owners, were relegated to a small area in the back of the house. Progressive Jews were conducting demonstrations every week to protest the eviction of Palestinians from their homes. What we witnessed 10 years ago is now happening on a much larger and more threatening scale. We should now understand that as these evictions continue, they prove that Israeli settler colonialism will only be halted when people all over the world demand that the rights of the Palestinian people in occupied Palestine be respected. Here in the U.S., we must make our demands for justice in Palestine resonate as powerfully as our demands for an end to racist police violence. Stop the evictions. Stop the demolitions. Stop the bombing and in the occupation. Justice for Palestine. That's Professor Angela Davis. Um, she and our guest, Nora Erekat, uh, um, uh, were part of a conversation published in The Nation magazine. Was the killing of Ahmad Erekat an extrajudicial execution? And Angela referenced um, his death. And I wanted, Nora, for you to, if you could, um, because I know it is still so painful, talk about your cousin. Um, the investigation you have done of his death at an Israeli checkpoint. And then as we begin to wrap up, put that in the larger context of what's happening today in the occupied territories. Thank you for lifting up Ahmad um, Ariqat. 
My cousin, again, he was shot at a checkpoint separating two Palestinian cities, Abu Dis and Bethlehem, on the day of his sister's wedding. He had a mechanical error in the car, shot dead six times above the waist in two seconds with his arms above his head, left on the pavement, even as the Israeli ambulance came to treat the lightly wounded Israeli soldier manning the checkpoint. Um, refused to treat Ahmed, his body was not moved. The Israeli army also refused to allow Palestinian ambulance to treat him. The car was compounded, He there was no autopsy conducted on his body and he had, remains in an Israeli refrigerator at Tel Aviv University, held hostage to punish the family as well as other Palestinians in a sign that even after death, they will be treated cruelly. He is one of 62 Palestinians held in this way in response to our advocacy to just get the body back that included the forensic architecture investigation that demonstrated scene by scene that Ahmad was probably decelerating far from accelerating, was decelerating as the car comes out of control in response to mobilizing the Arakat family across the United States who have also sought refuge here. Six senators we asked to intervene on the family's behalf with the Israeli government. In response, Defense Minister Benny Gantz became more cruel and said not only would they not release the body, but that they would dig up Palestinian bodies accused of participating in resistance activities to hold them hostage as well. The way that this fits within the larger frame has to do with Israel's expanding use of force. We have to be careful when we're calling for international law and to describe what Israel is doing as war crimes because Israel's work is also in the battle of changing what the law means. It is shrinking who counts as a Palestinian civilian. It regards Palestinians as already always being a threat until proven innocent. All Palestinians are deemed a threat for their mere existence and challenging the Zionist settler colonial mythology of uninterrupted Jewish spatial and temporal presence. What we see happen to Ahmad has been a pattern and practice that the UN has documented and said that Israel shoots as a matter of precautionary measure. In some cases, they have placed weapons alongside the Palestinian bodies. We saw this manifest most cruelly during the Gaza March of Return when snipers shot down hundreds of Palestinian Gandhis, so to speak, for all those who keep saying, if only Palestinians would be peaceful. We have been nothing but. The question to ask is how have Palestinians not been more violent, frankly, given this atrocious treatment? They shot hundreds of Palestinians, 90% of which in the head, in the neck, in the back, in the torso, as they were fleeing medics, children. And the Israeli Supreme Court said that this was justified because the, even the peaceful protests are quote unquote Hamas's new tactic of warfare against Israel. They have securitized our entire life, our entire existence, and the, the bare minimum of what an international community watching now that just cares about the violence during these spectacular moments. If you really, really sincerely care about the violence, you must place sanctions on Israel. You must demilitarize Israel. You must force Israel to sign the non-nuclear proliferation treaty. You must hold Israel to account. Otherwise, you are only asking Palestinians to die quietly. 
I want to go now to Gidon Levy in Tel Aviv. As you listen to Noura Erekat, um, <clears throat> your latest piece in Haaretz, a pampered Israel carries out violence because it can. If the U.S., um, if Bernie Sanders and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the first Palestinian-American congresswoman, Rashida Tlaib, um, succeeded in stopping the expediting of $735 million of, of uh, precision-guided weapons to Israel, would this have an effect? Uh, or Senator Sanders calling for a ceasefire? What kind of impact does this have on Israeli society? Do you think this could stop the bloodshed? Let me tell you, Amy, that if there would have been an administration, American administration, who would like not only to stop this violence, but to put an end to the occupation, it could do so within months. The problem is that we never faced an administration who was really decisive or was really caring about the continuance of the status quo. You know, uh, Biden is now labeled as Israel as a hostile president. This war, uh, Joe Biden is signed on this war quite a lot because if it would be a decisive American president, he would put an end to it at once. Don't forget that Israel is so depending on the United States, politically, militarily, and financially, but Israel learned that the United States is in its pocket, that the, the, the support is unconditioned, that the money will come and the check is open no matter what Israel does. That's the lesson of, of Israel after many years. And that's the way that the United States had corrupted Israel. Because if you get this free supply of arms, like a free supply of drugs, you become addicted and you become uh, 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 totally corrupted because you know there are no one to put limits to your behavior. What I wrote today in Haaretz was that Israel is by far too strong. Would Israel be less strong? It would be much of a moral state. Because Israelis are not bloodthirsty, they are not monsters. But they do all those things because nobody stops them. Because this overall power makes people arrogant. They can provoke the Palestinians in Jerusalem and they can kill Ahmed Arikat in the checkpoint and they can continue to steal their land and to do all those things. And the world just hugs Israel. And if the world hugs Israel, Israel continues. There will be no resistance from within Israel. I mean, Israelis will never wake up one shining morning and say, oh, this is not so nice, this occupation, let's put an end to it. Why would they, after 53 years in which they were told that without the occupation, Israel will not survive? The only way to put an end to it is to make Israelis pay and be punished, and then it will be their choice if they are ready to take this price. And I can assure you, most of the Israelis then will say no. Gideon Levy, uh, Israeli journalist, columnist for Haaretz, a member of the editorial board of the paper, and Noura Erekat, Palestinian-American human rights attorney and legal scholar. 
And that was today's Democracy Now! And you're listening to 88.5 FM WMNF Tampa. My name is Sean Canan, and I'm joined in the studio by Blanny Whalen. And we're here to ask you to support Democracy Now! and to support From a Woman's Point of View and all of the wonderful programming that you hear on WMNF. At 9 o'clock in the morning, we start a news and public affairs block. And some of the shows that you'll hear today are Democracy Now! From a Woman's Point of View. And we'll also hear... a. a the Surly Feminists, everyone's favorite, the Surly Feminists are coming up at noon to to talk about um, their show and what, what you've been hearing over the last few months on their show. And so you notice the theme today. We have a lot of women's voices on the airwaves. And that's hoping that, that's something we hope to continue, starting with Amy Goodman's show. Uh, and, but we do need to know that there is support. We only got have only gotten four calls for Democracy Now! That's not enough. We do need to hear from you, 813-238-8001. In just a few minutes, we're going to play a Making Contact episode that features Angela Davis, the academic, and it's talking about um, the, the uh, abolishing police and abolishing prisons and how these renowned scholars are trying to build a global movement to spark a lasting change to dismantle those oppressive systems. 813-238-8001. If you support Women's Voices, if you support women's programming, you can also donate online at WMNF.org. Yes, we're hoping at WMNF to increase the voices of women and the voices of our community during the uh, WMNF news section. And if you appreciate what we're doing and how we are bringing out community issues, as well as national issues, you know, the elections are coming up soon. We're going to be covering a lot of the issues with that. And it's it's so very important. And, if it, and we need you to join up to become a member. And how you can become a member is please give us a call. Um, donate whatever you can. You can also... Uh, you can also get on the internet if you don't want to talk. You can go on WMNF.org or call 813-238-8001. Give whatever you can. Please let us know you're out there and let us know what you want to hear. We have just wonderful uh, shows that today that um, we're going to be uh, playing for you. Uh, Sean talked a little bit about that. Unfortunately, Mary and Arlene are not here today, but they will be back next week. Can't wait. Yeah. 813-238-8001 is the number to call in to support the Mary and Arlene show from a woman's point of view. And as Blanny just said, they will be back next week. They have had to be out for several weeks, but they are coming back and I can't wait. And if you miss them or if you miss the voices of hearing the voices of women on this airwaves, don't fret because we will have them back next week. And as Blanny was saying, you know, we have program changes that are coming up. On June 21st, our new schedule will go into effect. It is not final yet, but uh, we're putting the pieces together and there is a great chance. I'm going to say there's a 99.99% chance that (laughs) you will hear so many more women live on the air than you're hearing right now during our news news and public affairs blocks. From and you know what Kev Mo says about that. Put a woman in charge. <laughs> the women will be in charge of so many shows. If you like the Surly Feminists, if you like Janet and Shelley, if you like the great women who joined John on the Sustainable Living Show, you will hear more of them. It seems very likely you'll hear more of them starting on June 21st. And we can't wait to have lots more women on the airwaves 
more often. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org is the number to call to show your support for From a Woman's Point of View. You can still support Democracy Now! We are done raising funds for Democracy Now! during this mini fund drive, during this mini membership drive. The next time we'll come to you asking for support for Democracy Now! is not for another two months. We're going to do a two-day drive in, what is this, May, June, July. So in July, we're going to come to you for a few days, two, two, two days at a time, twice in July, if I'm not mistaken. So you will not hear us asking for funds after this minute for Democracy Now! So I am asking you now, making a final plea, please support Democracy Now! 813 238 8001. Don't go over to the dark side and not support Democracy Now. We need you to just support Democracy Now. It's important that we hear from you. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. Well, let's transition right now to this wonderful Making Contact program featuring the voices of women, featuring the, it's produced, its executive director is Sonia Green, a woman, uh, staff producers, Anita Johnson, Monica Lopez, and Salima Hamirani. They're all women. So this is a a very women-centric program we're going to play today from Making Contact. One of the voices you'll hear is Angela Davis. She's a political activist, an author, and a professor emerita at the University of California, Santa Cruz. She co-founded Critical Resistance. That's an organization working to abolish the prison industrial complex. We'll hear from her and other renowned scholars about how we can build a global movement to spark lasting change to dismantle oppressive systems. Support programming like this by calling 813-238-8001 or donate online at WMNF.org. Making, making, making contact. Making contact. (laughs) This is Making Contact. I'm Anita Johnson. Amid national outrage over the police killing of George Floyd in May of 2020 and other police shootings of black people, the movement to defund the police became a rallying cry to reimagine our approach to public safety. This is a revolutionary moment, uh, and um, I'm really happy as a veteran uh, to be able to witness it, to be able to recognize that the work that uh, we may have done 50 years ago really has made a difference. Um, and I think that uh, we're, we're seeing developments and processes that we could never have really imagined. Years ago when we, we were talking about you know, how to popularize abolition, it would have been impossible to predict that at one point There would be huge, massive demonstrations at a time of a global pandemic. They went out and protested against um, racism at their own peril, um, using slogans like defund the police. That's Angela Y. Davis. She's a political activist, author, professor emerita at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and she co-founded Critical Resistance, an organization working to abolish the prison industrial complex. For more than 50 years, Davis has advocated for the abolition of prisons, casting the issue in human rights terms and urging a broader vision of justice. Davis's work is grounded in a feminist framework and global transnational lens. On December 1st, 2020, 
in conjunction with Haymarket Books and Study and Struggle. Davis spoke about the need to create a worldwide movement to shift away from harsh punitive policies and the manufactured need for police in prisons. The talk also included other scholars, such as Lorja Garcia Pena, an activist and the co-founder of Freedom University, Georgia. Medin Palos, a filmmaker, researcher, and an activist working for LGBTQ and citizenship rights in Italy. And Letty Volpe, a law professor at UC Berkeley. The conversation was moderated by Makani Thimba, a chief strategist at Higher Ground Change Strategies based in Jackson, Mississippi. Again, Angela Davis. I've been doing work that might be described as abolitionist since the 1970s. Uh, the uh, Attica uprising took place in 1971 uh, when I myself was uh, in, in jail. And I, I uh, remember the call for abolition that came from the Attica brothers uh, struck me as uh, uh, explaining so much of what I had not been able to uh, explain or understand. Uh, uh, the historical process, for example, the connection between the putative abolition of slavery and uh, what uh, needed to happen with respect to uh, prisons. Um, I think I've always been interested in processes that um, emphasize and popularize historical consciousness. Uh, I studied um, French literature and I studied philosophy, but always in historical contexts. And I say that because I think historical consciousness is what we lack in this country. There are white people who still think that because they or their immediate families were not directly involved in slavery, that they're completely exonerated, that they bear no responsibility. They have no idea what historical responsibility means. Uh, uh, capitalism, especially capitalist ideology in its neoliberal form, benefits from this historical amnesia. Um, because the temporality that capitalism urges is a perpetual present. Uh, it's one of the reasons we find ourselves trying to address problems now that should have been addressed over 150 years ago. And it's also, it seems to me, why we end up calling for reforms over and over and over and over again. If one looks at the history of incarceration and the history of policing, one discovers that there have been calls for reforms throughout the histories of these institutions. As a matter of fact, the calls for reforms have constituted a central element of the history of these institutions. And as such, um, have become the glue that has held these institutions together. And of course, um, even as these reforms have been instituted, both incarceration and policing have only grown more racist, more repressive, more violent. Uh, and this is why um, I was so struck by the call for abolition, um, the radical alternative. And when I say radical, the etymological meaning of radical is root. And so abolition allows us to get at the root of the problem. It enables us to escape from being trapped by 
the same framework and the same footprint. So uh, we don't look at policing and incarceration as discrete institutions that must perpetually remain at the core of our attempts to make human community. Um, so I see abolition as a revolutionary perspective. I, it asks us to understand and resist not only the particular institution we're concerned with, and of course we're talking, we've, we've, we've talked about police and we've talked about prisons and educational institutions and university, but it asks us to address all of the conditions and forces that enable the continued existence of the institution. So we won't simply add the adjective humane to the name of an institution that is so deeply flawed, so structurally racist, so profoundly influenced by heteropatriarchal ideologies that we would have to say, um, well, we know policing is racist, so let's struggle for a more humane racist policing. Uh, we know incarceration is inherently class bias, inherently violent, so let's struggle for a more humane uh, class bias, a more humane violence, a more humane wall, a more humane ice. And so I've come to the conclusion both as a result of my scholarly work and my activist work is that we we have to enlarge our analytical framework if we want to avoid being trapped on this treadmill of reform. We have to ask questions about connections and, and relations, relationalities. In other words, we have to do a feminist uh, analysis. We, we don't ask the question, what can we do to make an institution that has already demonstrated that it can never fundamentally change? Uh, you know, how do we make that institution change? But rather we ask what are the contextual conditions and surrounding social forces that need to shift in order to ensure that we don't need to rely on these institutions in order um, to survive and in order to flourish. Uh, therefore, we need schools, not jails, but we don't need schools that, that try to become jails, which is what we have now. And, and I would say that this is, an, this is what we have come to call an intersectional approach. Uh, and the part played by feminism, um, anti-racist, anti-capitalist feminism, is not only to ensure that we keep gender within our frame, but it is to ensure that our analysis is not lazy that we don't shy away from complexity, that we realize that abolition involves both the negative process of overturning and disestablishing, but also, and more importantly, the reconstructive process of creating something new, not just one new thing, but addressing all of the enabling um, conditions. Um, so I guess I would uh, conclude by saying that, uh, and I, I, I did a, um, webinar with Lenny not too long ago on abolition feminism uh, and you know the meaning of abolition feminism. I would end by saying that abolition needs feminism. It needs anti-racist, anti-capitalist feminism. Um, uh, but feminism needs abolition. Uh, 
You know, otherwise it becomes the kind of carceral feminism that Lenny was talking about. Uh, and uh, I think that abolition has to be placed within an internationalist framework. Let's not only think about the US, but let's think about Brazil. Let's think about Palestine. Let's think about Europe. Let's think about um, Australia. Um, and with that, I think I'll conclude. Moderator, Makani Thimba. Well, thank you so much and thank you everyone. It's good to hear from each of you. I, I have a couple little questions. They're gonna be a little different, I think, because from listening to everyone. And um, I, I've i been reflecting a lot on the fact that this is the 65th anniversary of the Bandung Conference. And, um, and from, for many folks, a turning point in understanding of themselves as international, um, you know, sort of um, not the birth, but certainly an important milestone in how many of us thought about how our um, movements were connected, all these kinds of things. And I also think about this question, and this makes me think about something you brought up, Lorja, in terms of these communities of rebellion, mm-hmm. these, this, um, idea of sort of debordering right and and resisting and and when i was listening to to angela and, and actually all of you talk about the ways in which um we are we continue to replicate um these oppressive models even sometimes in the ways we organize um is people trying to translate like what does it mean to to organized from this place of freedom, from liberation. And so I was curious if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about how you see these communities of rebellion, like what does that look like? And and and, and that sort of process of, of education or maybe uneducating, you know, or diseducating um, to disrupt all that. Like, what does that look like? Lorja Garcia-Pena. You know, um, I think For me, I think the work is exactly how Angela was describing it. It has to do with building and with being able to and willing and having both the fortitude, the amount of hoping that needs to happen. And and when I say hoping, I'm not talking about your... You, you know, sitting with a rosary and praying, but rather believing that the kind of work that you are putting energy into is going to actually create effective changes, because otherwise, the, what is the point of doing the work we're doing? But I think for me, um, when it comes to learning, when it comes to creating communities that are, that are hopeful, that are feminist interventions into the world that we are choosing to create, not the one that we are inheriting it. It has everything to do with with community and with transnational community, with sitting with each other together. I think for those of us who are scholars and who are trained as scholars, we've been trained that to believe that, especially if you're a, a woman of color, that they can only be one of us that they can only be one of us in the room, that they can only be one of us in the classroom, that they can only be one of us teaching this particular subject. And that is how we've been socialized and that is how the institutions operate and that is, this is how they maintain um, this, this exclusion, this violence, because it is both oppressive and, and isolating. And I think um, in, in the classroom with students, that is replicated in these ideas of we found something in the archive and therefore you own it and now you own history and that legitimates you. And I think that the, the work that I'm, that I'm hoping to do, the work that I'm trying to do with my students and with my colleagues is to think about learning as communal, 
think about learning as a process that can only happen if we all together put a little bit and think together. And it's so, we, we all know this, we all know that we learn from each other. This is why we're here as a group and this is not an individual lecture because we know that we learn from each other and we learn from bouncing off ideas. But somehow our educational systems do not reward that. We reward the individual paper, we reward the individual book, we re reward the individual intervention. And well, that is, uh, we're, we're hearing from Lorgia Garcia-Pena. She's an activist and co-founder of Freedom University, Georgia. Earlier, we heard from Angela Davis, political activist, author, professor emerita at the University of California, Santa Cruz. She co-founded Critical Resistance. That's an organization working to abolish the prison industrial s complex. And you're listening to WMNF Tampa from a woman's point of view. This is a program from the Making Contact series. 813-238-8001 is how you can support community radio. And we're going to thank some people who have donated during From a Woman's Point of View. And we'd like to thank you. Can you make a donation at WMNF.org to support community radio and support From a Woman's Point of View? Mary and Arlene will be back next Thursday, we hope. Hey, let me tell you this quick uh, bit of news. The Gandhi Bridge has reopened. The investigation into the crash there is still ongoing and updates will prov be provided later, earlier, very early this morning. The Gandhi Bridge eastbound into Tampa was closed um, and so I just want to let people know that the Gandhi Bridge now has reopened but Blaney also has some people to thank who have donated during From a Woman's Point of View. Yes, Charles Kilboy has uh, called in from St. Petersburg and he is donating $60 to the Women's Show and he would like to give that money in honor of his wife, a lifelong nurse educator, and her name is Carol. And Carol, as a nurse and a nurse practitioner, thank you so much for all you do. Yeah, thank you for your service and thank you for that lovely donation. We appreciate yes. that. 813-238-8001. Do you have any more, Blaney? Nope, okay. that's it. I Let me thank some people then. We have an anonymous donor from... Clearwater. Thank you to the anonymous in Clearwater who says, I appreciate all the public affairs shows and like the ability to call in. Also, it's important to get some good information to counter the misinformation. So, so, um, 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org is how you can call in your support. Uh, and uh, she has donated, this anonymous person has donated $88.50. She's getting the WMNF t-shirt. Let me tell you a little bit about this t-shirt if you haven't heard about it already. Everyone's talking about it. It is a wonderful color. It's kind of a blue-gray color. Very wearable. It'll look great on you. And it says WMNF 88.5 FM, and it has powerful fists holding powerful electrical bolts. Go bolts. And uh, you'll like this shirt. It's by Todd Bates Creative, a local St. Petersburg artist. And it's yours for an $88.50 contribution to WMNF. And as you may know, we have women's cuts and men's cuts. So you can decide which one you like. We're going to place the order, I believe, today or tomorrow. You'll get your shirts very quickly. 813-238-8001 is how you can donate eighty-eight fifty and get this wonderful shirt. I like uh, the bolts because it kind of kind of is, uh, to me, a three-way uh concept for our area you know we are uh, a lightning capital and the bolts are in the playoffs and gosh both sean and i are huge uh tampa bay lightning fans and it also is the power of 
of the media, the power of our sound coming out to you. It's a really cool shirt. We've never had anything quite like that. And uh, you can also, I believe you could see that if you go on WMNF.org and see what it looks like. But honestly, it's very different than anything we have ever seen. And we're all very excited about it. And for $88.50 or more, um, we will give you that as a thank you gift. And I don't want to go on and on necessarily about this T-shirt, but I think that it is, um, it's important that you know that we are kind of uh, making a revised commitment to local artists and to making our T-shirt designs great. So if, mm-hmm. if you thought that maybe in the past the T-shirts um, have been slumping, I don't want to say it too poorly, if, if you weren't very impressed in the past with the t-shirts, that we think that you will really enjoy this design by our local artist. And not to dis- dissuade you from getting this one, but I think in the future, you'll be seeing more fantastic t-shirts like this as well from different artists. And I've, I've recommended one or two that I think will make great t-shirts for WMNF. 813-238-8001. I'm not sure. Did you already thank that person? I already thanked that person. And so I am done. And I think we're going to get back to uh, Angela Davis and talking about the two million people that are incarcerated um, now and and what justice is that and some change that she's hoping to see in the United States. Yeah, it's kind of unbelievable. I Actually, before we get back to hearing more of Angela Davis and more of uh, Lorgia Garcia-Pena, we're going to actually thank a couple more people. I haven't f- finished thanking these people. Uh, we have a great donation here from Mary in Tampa, and Mary's donating $26.25. Thank you so much, Mary. And let me tell you um, here what, what they thank Mary and Arlene and the public affairs on WMA and if they think that they're very important to the community and oh this is a giveaway but um I really look forward to having them back next week. 813-238-8001. Charles Kilboy has donated $60 for From a Woman's Point of View. And this is what uh, Charles says. Charles says he loves he loves WMNF when it has live local hosts hosting programs. He's not that much of a fan of hearing pre-recorded things. He, he definitely doesn't want WMNF to sound like NPR. We and don't we either. Don't. Exactly. And so as we were talking earlier, uh, once the new program changes go into effect on June 21st, I can assure you, you will be hearing a lot more local voices, a lot more live programming, a lot more interview shows, a lot more call-in shows, and it will sound nothing like NPR, or at least you'll be able to distinguish the difference. Absolutely. I mean, a couple of things. Are you going to hear Amy Goodman or Angela Davis um, or Richard Wolf, for that matter, on uh, NPR? And also, are you going to hear local politicians uh, that will be ex- probably hearing more and more as this is going to be winding up into another uh, very exciting election years in the next year and a half. So you will be hearing that. You'll be hearing issues about um, snatching up land by the developers. You may hear issues about our water quality, uh, pollution, uh These things are not going to be on NPR. They're going to be here at WMNF. And if you appreciate that, if you learn from that, if you find out information that you're not finding out in other other, places, I can't even say that anymore, in other places, please donate to WMNF News. We are there for you. 
I'm encouraged to hear the support that we're hearing right now from from a woman's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a band of gypsies, I wish that you will call in and show your support. Sorry, I'm referencing the music again. 813-238-8001. <laughs> we're going to go back right now and hear the rest of what Lorgia Garcia-Pena, the activist and co-founder of Freedom mm-hmm. University, Georgia, has to say about um, oppressive dismantling oppressive systems. But we do need to hear from you. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. Please give us a call. And, the, and the whatnot. And I think that one of, one of the main goals that we should have as educators is to not only abolish that idea, but invite collaborations and invite unlikely collaborations um, of multiple people. Because this is how we learn, but this is also how we can grow. Um, this is also how, this is a very practical ways in which we can build this kind of transnational communities that we're striving to build. We can't build those by staying in our own corners. We have to talk to each other. We have to find that space. And that space needs to also be practical. We have to think about things like childcare and caring for the elderly and so on. If we don't have those resources, if we don't have that as part of what we're doing, then we, we cannot move forward. That's Professor Lorja Garcia-Pena, and you're listening to Making Contact. What are your thoughts on abolition and transnational movement building? Write us at makingcontact at radioproject.org or join the conversation on social media. That's on Twitter at making underscore contact or on Instagram at makingcontactradioproject, all one word. The conversation we've been listening to was originally hosted by Haymarket Books and Study and Struggle. The talk explored how to build a global movement for abolition and the types of shared knowledge, strategies, and organizing in an internationalist movement to abolish police and prisons. Now back to the conversation. Letty, I, I have a, a question for you. And I, as I was listening to you talk, and, and, and it doesn't matter how many times you hear the story, you are never desensitized to the horror and the just the just the the depth of all the the things that um, that this brings up, um, and I know um, as someone who has spent some time at the U.S. Mexico border as an observer and and things like that, you just you just never ever get to the point where you're callous about that. And I appreciate you telling these stories. You also are a law professor and you also think about policy which is another way in which borders get created right through the law (laughs) right through um and uh we're gonna hear the rest of that question and the answer after the npr headlines in about 10 minutes but right now it's important that we get your financial support uh this there's only a couple of minutes left in from a woman's point of view and we have not reached our goal we have a goal of one thousand dollars for this hour i don't know what the total is right now but i think we've raised about five hundred dollars and that means we still need to hear from five people in the next four minutes 813-238 8001. Will you be one of the heroes to help from a woman's point of view make its goal today? 813-238-8001. When you call that number, you'll talk to one of our excellent phone bank volunteers. They will tell you what you need to know. They'll take your information. It'll be very quick. It'll take two or three minutes. 
and they will ask you what amount do you want to donate and you can say whatever amount it is maybe you can donate $100 to support from a woman's point of view on WMNF maybe you can donate $1,000 I think Mary and Arlene would be so thrilled to find out that they had an excellent $1,000 donor or a $500 donor but of course they would also be thrilled if someone joined at the $35 annual membership or if someone could donate $10 a month or $20 a month on our circle of friends, that's our, our um, sustaining membership here at WMNF. It's really important that we get people to join the circle of friends as sustaining members to help keep us with a steady flow of income throughout the year. 813-238-8001 is the number to call. Is there support in the Tampa Bay area for a woman-centered program like From a Woman's Point of View? Later on in the day, we're going to hear in about an hour, we're going to hear the Surly Feminists. Liz and Donna will be here to raise funds and they will be asking for your funds. We are thrilled to bring women programmers on the air to to take your questions, to take your calls, to interview the newsmakers in our community. If this is something that's valuable to you, give us a call. 813-238-8001. You can also donate online at WMNF.org. When you're at WMNF, you can see our beautiful new design t-shirt. It says WMNF and it has lightning bolts and fists and it is a simple design yet elegant and it's on a beautiful background color of a like a blue-gray. I, I love this shirt. I have to say it. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. I'd like to thank Elisa Priest from Gulfport and she is making a $21 pledge to the women's point of view. And thank you so very, very much. Thanks, neighbor. Yeah. Ah, and Alexandra Panos from St. Petersburg is donating $100, and she's going to get that beautiful new T-shirt. And she says, thanks to WMNF for highlighting critical feminist abolitionist educational efforts. And thank you so very, very much, Alexandra. That's awesome. Thank you. I think there was a comment on the first one as well. Oh, yes, certainly appreciates Democracy Now! and Mary and Arlene and the station. All right. Sorry about that, Elisa. (laughs) Thank you for all the contributions that have come in so far. I'm really encouraged by the amount of support that we're seeing from from a woman's point of view. But we're not quite there yet. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. Here's another one. We have a, a, a person who is joining the Circle of Friends at the $10 a month level, and it's from Riverview. And they're getting the WMNF t-shirt, this beautiful t-shirt. Uh, thank you to Sparrow and uh, the Alifire River Global Awakenings Place. Oh. And they love Democracy Now! and Dr. Fred Harvey, two excellent programs that we bring you. And in case you hadn't heard, uh, as the time winds down on this, this hour... Um, It's very likely. I'm trying to convince Dr. Harvey to come on every single week. Won't that make people happy? 813-238-8001. Stay tuned for big changes coming in the WMNF. Improvements coming. We, We think you will really like the new schedule once it rolls out on the 21st of June. More Dr. Harvey, perhaps, more sustainable living, more surly feminists, more Janet and, and Shelley. 
It's going to be so much great local content. You'll be so happy with it. I Boy, think. that sounds great to me. I get, <laughs> I learned so much from sustainable living. 813-238-8001. You're listening to WMNF Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Lakeland, and beyond. Please stay tuned. We're going to continue this conversation with Angela Davis after NPR headlines on WMNF Tampa. Thanks to everyone who has donated. Give us WMNF. a call. 